0: Well, back in the early 1970s, some restaurants out in the Midwest were just starting to set aside no-smoking sections. A young 16-year-old high schooler gets his first job as a busboy at one of these restaurants. After a few weeks of work, the young man notices that on Sundays, after the church is let out, the place gets packed and buzzing with chatty churchgoers. Presbyterians and the Baptists in the no-smoking section, and the Catholics in the smoking section. The busboy comments to his boss, It's a good thing this joint's got no-smoking as well as smoking sections. That way, you get the patronage of all sorts of different church folk. The boss says, Yeah, this is the new trend, and it actually helps business. The busboy looks thoughtful, then says, And it's a good thing you didn't waste any space with a no-gossip section. There wouldn't be any of these people sitting there. So what is the some of the truths that this little joke is is getting at? Well, here you have this young man, and he himself is probably not a churchgoer. He's he's working on Sundays. Uh, and, And yet, with churchgoing people, he can see that sometimes their behavior doesn't quite line up with their with their profession with what they say they don't necessarily practice what they preach and uh, this is a perennial challenge for the christian we have our faith but then do we actually live up to our faith do we live according to our religion and uh, not only though can someone an unbeliever or a non-church going person notice this discrepancy that that can be found in the lives of many Christians but so also can God so also can God and this is what we see in our parable today in our gospel text here is someone who did respond to the gospel this guy without the wedding garment he responded to the invitation okay unlike the first group they were just complete unbelievers they didn't even come they didn't even show up to the feast but this other guy that, that turns up without the wedding garment he he does respond so he believes. He's a, he's a churchgoer. He shows up. But there's something missing, something essential missing. And what is, what is that that's missing? Well, it's consistency with his faith in terms of his life and how he lives it out. It's works. St. James says that faith without works is dead. And uh, uh, St. Paul in Galatians says, What really matters is faith working through love. So this wedding garment that the guy was supposed to have first of all it was provided the wedding garments were provided by the hosts okay so there really wasn't an excuse for this guy not to have one on all right and uh, we can see it really as a, as the grace of baptism which includes necessarily with it love so we believe very it's a very fundamental belief of our catholic faith that we're not saved by faith alone we actually need to join with that faith charity Okay, So that charity is what makes faith alive and makes it truly salvific. And charity is given through baptism, but we can lose it if we live a life that's fundamentally contrary to charity. So here's this: what this guy's done. He's basically, you know, at some point he was handed this baptismal grace that included charity and the ability to work out that faith through charity, and he lets go of it somehow. And that's what excludes him from eternal life. Now a few months ago, I got uh, I put out the survey about homilies, and it was very helpful to me. And um, one of the one of the respondents said uh, had some suggestions actually of what I can preach on. So actually, I'm going to do that today. The one suggestion was how can we love our neighbor? I want you to preach on how we can love our neighbor even when they're nasty and disrespectful. Okay, so how can we love our neighbor even when they're nasty and disrespectful? Because again, love or charity is really of the essence. Of Christianity and salvation. Well, I think we got to go back to simply reflecting upon our purposes in life. What are our main goals in life? If our main goals in life are simply pleasure, material gain, and the aggrandizement or the kind of the pushing up of oneself, okay, the ego. Trying to get ahead of others. If that's our, our goals, and it's very easy to make those your goals, kind of a default way of living, okay, because of fallen human nature, it's very easy to fall into that kind of mode of this is my, these are my goals in life. If they are, then what will happen is we will regard other people, just by way of course of natural progr- degression, we will regard other people as either a source of pleasure or a source of pain. We'll like those who give us pleasure, and we won't like those who give us pain. (laughs) All right, we'll we'll regard others as a means to our own gain. We'll start to possibly be threatened by other people, you know, and there's this kind of whole ego competition that will start out. So that's not a good way to live our lives, and I don't think any of us really want to live our lives that way, but that's part of the problem that we find. You know, we have someone who's nasty and disrespectful, and we, we really have a hard time... Being civil towards them. And so, so they make us feel bad and so now we want to lash out, okay? How can we get over this? Well, we, we have to change our goals in life. Instead of our main goals in life being pleasure and gain and uh, self engrandizements we should make our goal the project of making ourselves a gift to others. Trying to work for the maximum benefit of our family and our community and our church and our country. Okay, So when we have that as a goal, suddenly we'll find it a lot easier to relate to others, even when they're nasty and disrespectful, because people are no longer fundamentally sources of pleasure or pain for us, but they're real people. They're real human beings. They've got their own problems. They've got their own past histories, most of which we're completely ignorant of. We don't even know what they were dealing with that particular day when they were nasty to us. Okay, Maybe they confronted some uh, real tragedy in their life and put them in a bad mood. We don't know any of these things. And this is this is the nature of what it is to be able to relate to people in general. Human beings are a mystery. Every single one of us has great depths to our hearts and to our minds. And when we relate to others not as objects, problems, that we have to deal with, but as real persons, as real three-dimensional persons, as deep, profound mysteries, we begin to uh, be surprised about what we can find. Everybody's got potential for goodness. One author I read, he uses the phrase, uh, uh, bad news and good news, about looking for bad news and good news in people. And he says, if you look for the bad news in others, if that's what you're looking for, you're going to find it. And the bad news is going to eclipse the good news. You will not be able to see anything good about the person if you're looking for the bad news in them. But on the contrary, if you look for the good news in everybody, you probably can't help but notice the bad news as well, but it will contextualize the bad news and relativize it. And you'll be able to put it in its place and say, well, okay, we, you know, he's got these things, but look at these other considerations. Okay, So you look for the good news in everybody. And the good news is that every person is created in God's image. And we, every one of us as individuals is an eternal soul called to eternal life and is loved by God. And Jesus died for every single one of us. So when we approach our neighbor, who's nasty and disrespectful, we can think to ourselves, Jesus loves this person so much That he died for this person. In fact, if no one else existed, and just this nasty person existed, Jesus would have gone through everything he did just for that person. That's how much Jesus loves that person. And Jesus doesn't love trash. Okay, There's got to be something good and valuable about this person, and that is their soul. That is their potential to be, at least their potential, if not their actual status, their potential to be a child of God, loved by God, being in communion with him for eternity. And then finally here's just a little piece of uh a little piece of uh, you know a, tr- a trick here you know just something to think about here there's a in popular psychology circles there's this phrase that's used uh, emotional intelligence okay so you can be intelligent in many things but sometimes emotionally you're not so intelligent it's like how do you how do you manage and deal with your emotions in a prudent and intelligent manner? Well, here's a little tip here of, of emotional intelligence that, you know, I read years back. If there's someone, maybe a stranger or whoever it might be, and they're kind of nasty and disrespectful to you, if you, when they're not present, go and speak bad about them to another person, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna experience in your own heart and your own mind a lot of negative feelings. A lot of negative feelings. Why do you want to, why do you want to experience those feelings? That doesn't make any sense. Don't you want to experience feelings of peace uh, and joy? Uh, so when you speak about someone, someone will say, "Well, I'm just venting. I'm just venting." Uh, when you vent, you're throwing gas on your anger and your frustration and your irritability. You're making it worse. Okay, venting is not venting. It's exacerbating the problem. All right. Moreover. If this is a, someone who's in your life on a regular basis, someone maybe a coworker or whoever it might be that you gotta work with or that you gotta deal with on a regular basis, daily basis, even weekly basis, mark my words, if you speak bad about the person when they're not present, next time you're in their presence, you're gonna feel a lot neg- more negatively about them. Keep doing that and you're gonna be able to completely hardly stand the person. Alright? It's a, it's a vicious circle. And what will happen is all those negative feelings will block, will put a block between you and that person, so that you actually can't relate to them as a real, three-dimensional, flesh and blood human being person. And you will be able to miss, and you'll miss, the mystery and the depth and the beauty uh, that that lies, the potentialities that lie in that person. So, in closing, my brothers and sisters, let's respond to this king's invitation, to God's invitation. Let's show up to the banquet. So let's believe, let's have faith, and let's go to church. But let's not forget the wedding garments of charity. This is the true mark of a Christian. It's charity that makes us known as Christians, not just to non-Christians, but most importantly, to God.